Welcome to the Key Wealth Matters weekly podcast, where we casually ramble on about important topics, including the markets, the economy, human ingenuity, and almost anything under the sun, giving you the keys to unlock the mysteries of the markets and investing. Today is Friday, June 16th, 2023. I'm your host, Brian Peterangelo, and welcome to the podcast. Earlier this week, on Wednesday, June 14th, we celebrated a lesser-known holiday, but nonetheless still important, Flag Day, to commemorate the creation of the U.S. flag back in 1777 during the American Revolution unification of soldiers. But it wasn't until 1949 that Congress approved the national observance, and President Harry Truman signed it into law. And this coming Monday marks the observation of the new federal holiday, Juneteenth, representing June 19th and the emancipation of enslaved African Americans in the U.S. And with me today, I'd like to introduce our panel of investment experts here to provide their insights on this week's market activity and more. George Mateo, Chief Investment Officer, Steve Haight, Head of Equities, and Cindy Honcharenko, Senior Fixed Income Portfolio Manager. As a reminder, a lot of great content is available on key.com slash wealth insights, including updates from our Wealth Institute on many different subjects, and especially our Key Questions article series addressing a relevant topic for investors each Wednesday. In addition, if you have any questions or if you need more information, please reach out to your financial advisor. Taking a look at this week's economic news, there was a significant dose of information primarily related to inflation, and also we had the Federal Reserve's Open Market Committee meeting on Wednesday, which we will certainly discuss a little bit later on in the podcast. With respect to inflation, the Consumer Price Index measure for the month of May came out this week and showed moderating inflation year over year from 4.9% from April into 4.0% for May. However, in terms of the core CPI, which excludes the volatile food and energy subcomponents, the moderation was only small, going from 5.5% to 5.3%. What's behind these two? We actually see goods inflation right around where the Fed would like it to be at around 2% year over year. However, services inflation continues to remain high at roughly 6.6%. In addition, we saw moderating signs of inflation from the Producer Price Index, which was also released this week. And yesterday, we had three important components. The first was initial unemployment claims, which showed no increase from the prior week at 262,000 initial unemployment claims. However, if you back up one week, there was a fairly decent increase in terms of what we saw over around 240,000 up to 262,000. So we'll have to watch and see if that's an ongoing trend. Also just yesterday, as one measure of consumer spending across the United States, advanced retail sales were released for the month of May at $686 billion, which was up 0.3%, also 0.4% for April. So two decent months of consumer spending in terms of what we're seeing on a month-over-month basis relative to the consumer, showing a little bit of resiliency here in the consumer spending in face of what's happening in the economy. And the third item that we were watching from yesterday, which is lesser known, but it's one that we continue to watch, is industrial production and capacity utilization as a measure of manufacturing and the overall industrial production within the economy was actually down by two-tenths of a percent for the month of May. So we're seeing a little bit of slowing in that particular area. Need to take into consideration when we look at the overall economy. 
But before we dig into our dialogue around the economic data, we'll start with the update on the Federal Open Market Committee meeting that had the conclusion with the press conference on Wednesday of this week with Jay Powell, where the Fed decided to pause rates. So let's go to Cindy in terms of hearing what the Fed did, what the Fed said, and what we think it means for ongoing monetary policy in the overall markets as well as investors. Cindy? So the Fed kept policy unchanged with the target range remaining at 5 to five and a quarter percent. The statement changes were mostly of the housekeeping variety on economic conditions and recording the policy action. But if we squint a little closer, there were a few modifications put a bit more emphasis on the bias to hike further. One of those being the Fed making their comment about holding rates just at this meeting and to allow the committee to assess additional information. And the second one was tweaking some verbiage about future tightening from in determining the extent to which additional policy firming may be appropriate. They switched it to in determining the extent of additional policy firming that may be appropriate. So the latter could be read as shifting the emphasis from how likely to how many future hikes may be necessary, at least in my view. So if we go over to the SEP summary of economic projections, I think that was more interesting than the actual statement. The latest forecast from the Fed's uh, SEP showed that soft landing hopes are alive and well with the FOMC. Policy make, if policymakers upgraded estimates for growth, unemployment, and inflation appear to come to fruition the second half of 2023, then additional policy tightening beyond July and north of five and a half percent could come to pass. But I'm skeptical that the enthusiasm for continued tightening will persist through the end of the summer, particularly if inflation moderates more swiftly and or if tighter financial conditions manifest in a more pronounced growth deceleration. We go over to the press conference. Chair Powell repeated his focus on the distinction between the speed the level and the duration of interest rate policy. He emphasized level and duration over the pace of additional tightening. He also emphasized the need to be mindful of policy lags, noting that the impact from the 500 basis points of tightening enacted to date could appear more visibly over the course of the next several months. The June dot plot showed a steeper projected rate path compared to March, with the 2023 median dot rising to 5.75% upper bound from five and a quarter percent and the 2024 median dot to 4.75% from an evenly split four and a quarter percent. There were only two participants that expect no more rate hikes this year, while four anticipate one more, nine see two more, two expect three more, and one anticipates four more. The GDP growth forecast for this year more than doubled, 1% versus 0.4 prior, reflecting resilience to previous policy tightening and banking stresses earlier in the year. Projections for the unemployment rate were revised decisively lower, 4.1 versus 4.5% prior, while sizable upward revisions to core PCE inflation 3.9% versus 3.6% prior highlighted the persistent stickiness of inflation pressures. But Powell took some of the edge off in the press conference off the dot plot and and 
He acknowledged that nearly all participants view it as likely that some further rate increases will be appropriate this year. He also added the unusual disclaimer that the dots are not a committee decision or plan. If the economy does not evolve as projected, the path for policy will adjust as appropriate. He was also careful to note that a decision has not been made regarding the July FOMC meeting, though it will be live. He later made the point more forcibly, saying it would make sense for rates to move higher, but at a more moderate pace. He wanted to stress that the committee decision made on Wednesday was only about that meeting and that the FOMC didn't make any decision about going forward, including what would happen at the next meeting. Didn't really decide or really discuss anything about going to an every other meeting kind of an approach or any other approach. So now that we're, we have the June meeting past us, I do expect Fed speak to intensify. Next week, Chair Powell will have a chance to clarify his message uh, at the semi-annual monetary policy testimony before Congress. That's Wednesday and Thursday, starting at 10 a.m. Eastern. And we also have a number of policymakers uh, with opportunities and to give their views on the latest decision uh, today. Uh, St. Louis Fed President Bullard is at 3 p.m. Governor Waller was earlier today at 7.45 a.m. And uh, Richmond Fed President Barkin speak, was speaking at 9 a.m. Uh, this morning as well. But following this week's decision, I continue to see the scope for modestly higher yields given the incrementally more resilient economic picture. The Fed's willingness to remain engaged with additional hikes means the curve is likely to remain sticky at deeply inverted levels for now, but this doesn't necessarily imply significantly deeper inversion from here. I think material steepening requires strong asymmetry towards lower front-end yields that will rely on more definitive evidence of weakness in the labor market or faster softening of inflation. The future tightening that is resounding to the incoming uh, economic data, rather than moving especially proactively and or forcefully, reflects meaningful departure from the nature of tightening that prevailed through 2022 and should allow for further rate volatility to, to subside. But in the interim, it would be wise for investors to remain nimble and maintain a bias toward high quality while staying neutral duration. Katie, that's a great summary. I'm kind of curious to know your thoughts on, you know, if the Fed, if the Fed really did their job, right? I mean, just when I listened to you talk about the, the recap of their their projections, you've got growth going up, you've got unemployment kind of staying pretty stable, inflation expectations going up, and uh, and mildly higher interest rates. And yet, you know, we've been on this campaign now for well over a year. Interest rates have gone up some 500 basis points since then, and things really haven't slowed down too much. Um, so do you think the Fed is likely to do more? Or have they done enough? What, if you look up maybe for the next six months, say, by the end of this year, you think where do you think we'll be with respect to interest rates and how, how will the market take that? I feel like the Fed is done. I don't feel like the Fed's willing, ready to admit that they're done. Uh, I think that's the caveat here. This was their pause or skip. Uh, was pretty well telegraphed, I think, in the in the last 
couple appearances by Fed members uh, right before the blackout period. So the market was ready for the for the skip. But uh, I, I really, I think we're going to be hovering around that higher terminal rate of five and a half percent. And I think it's going to be longer uh, than most investors think it will be. Uh, it'll be interesting to see as more economic data comes in between now and the July 25th and 26th FOMC meeting, if we definitely start to see a major downshift and that could potentially really cause them to, to have to admit that they're done. Yeah, clearly the, the notion of economic resilience has been alive and well. I mean, it's it's probably not surprising. I mean, a lot of people kind of suggest that maybe things are slowing down or maybe the recession's at the doorstep. And we've been saying for some time that the recession's not imminent. I mean, it still could happen later this year if things get, uh, if conditions tighten sufficiently going forward. But, you know, you've got home prices, they seem to be kind of ticking upward again. Stock prices, obviously, Steve, are going up. Food, energy prices were, were kind of flattened down. Um, they're still they're still kind of elevated, but they, they've come down a little bit. So it's not surprising to see consumers feeling pretty good. I mean, Brian mentioned the fact that the CPI re release was out this week. Um, I think it was probably you know as expected overall, but I think it's still somewhat elevated. You know, at the core level, if you take out energy prices, which we know have been really volatile and come down a lot in the last year, but but the overall inflation headline number was about five, I think 5.3% year over year. That's still pretty high. That's about twice the what the Fed would like it to be. And some of the leading economic indicators are saying, suggesting that they're going to kind of come down slowly, but still say somewhat elevated. So, you know, again, the notion of resilience, I think, has been pretty um, pretty consistent across the board. Um, you know, speaking of resilience, Steve, I mean, it's kind of curious to see all these, these headlines we've talked about for quite some time around economic slowdown, uh, consternation around the debt ceiling. And here we are at the market, you know, we're down, uh, I'm sorry, we're, we're only we're only down about 5% from the all-time high, I think. And in the last, you know, two months, I think, we're up some 13%. I mean, that's twice what we get in typical years. So we've had a pretty big rise in the stock market. How do you explain that? Well, when you think about it, there's a couple of things that work here. First, you know, mar market returns, well, the long-term average is, you know, what, I think nine, nine to 10%, give or take. Uh, depending on when you start the time series. Um, when you take a look at it, those those are not the typical returns you see in an average year, all right? The the, the typical returns for the market are, you get 20% per year for uh, uh, on uh, when the market's in a bull market, and then you have the market go down 25 or 35% in a bear market, and you erase a bunch of gains. You don't typically have single digit gain years. So the fact that we're up 15% this year um, and the market looks like it wants to continue to run here. Um, you know, look, a, a number in in twenty to twenty five percent would not be out of the the realm of normal bull market behavior, right? So, like, I think we gotta we gotta uh, think about it from that perspective. Um, really, we've seen a shift in growth expectations, and that's what's driving the market. So, when we came into this year, people were expecting this recessionary narrative to take hold. The market was forecasting a, a number for GDP for this year of what three tenths of a percent, and now we're now we're looking at GDP forecasts between one and one and a half. So we've seen a clear inflection in growth. When you take a look at earnings numbers for the S and P 500, earnings numbers bottomed in 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 March at 223, we're up to 229. 
So you've seen a continued expansion in, in earnings numbers as people have gotten more optimistic about what's going on. And clearly with the Fed now heading into pause mode, when you look at uh, this kind of idea of a recession call, you know, the yield curve does a pretty good job of telling you when the recession is going to be imminent by its uninversion. And we are nowhere close to uninversion right now. And in fact, we came into the year and people were expecting the uninversion to happen in April of 2024. Okay, so that would put you in a potential to have a market problem in the back half of 2023. Two weeks ago, George, they were thinking that the uninversion was going to happen in January of 2025. And as of today, the market is forecasting the uninversion in April 2025. I got to tell you, that's game on bull market for equity market investors. When you get a scenario where that an uninversion is stretching out like that and you've got growth surprising to the upside. So I think it's fair to say that um, you know we overall kind of think that we want to be neutral towards risk. I mean, maybe we're a bit underweight uh, compared to what the market suggests otherwise. But I do think that there are still some cross currents we have to contend with. So, you know, I, I would feel better, you know, looking at buying stocks from on sale as opposed to kind of this extended or maybe the short-term extension we've seen here. But at the same time, we're not super bearish either. So overall, I think our view is kind of maintaining a neutral towards risk bias. Cindy talked about being somewhat neutral towards duration. In other words, not taking a lot of interest rate risk. And I think Steve would, uh, would argue as well that being up in quality makes a lot of sense too within the equity portfolio also. So I think that's our stance. I think, again, there's a lot of things we can kind of be hopeful towards, but we also be, be monitoring some things going forward too. We haven't talked about the banking sector in a, in a while, but I think that's still a, maybe a, a pressure that could slow things down a little bit in the back half of this year. But as always, we'll stay attentive and stay, stay tuned to, to what's going on in the, the broader markets, the broader economy. Well, thanks for the conversation today, George, Steve, and Cindy. We appreciate your insights, and thanks to our listeners for joining us today. Be sure to subscribe to the Key Wealth Matters podcast through your favorite podcast app. As always, past performance is no guarantee of future results, and we know your financial situation is, in fact, personal to you. So reach out to your relationship manager, portfolio strategist, or financial advisor for more information, and we'll catch up with you next week to see how the world and the markets have changed and provide those keys to help you achieve your financial success. The Key Wealth Matters podcast is produced by the Key Wealth Institute. The Key Wealth Institute is comprised of financial professionals representing key entities, including key private bank, key bank institutional advisors, key private client, and key investment services. Any opinions, projections, or recommendations contained herein are subject to change without notice and are not intended as individual investment advice. This material is presented for informational purposes only and should not be construed as individual tax or financial advice. Bank and trust products are provided by Key Bank National Association, a member of FDIC and Equal Housing Lender. Key Private Bank and Key Bank Institutional Advisors are part of Key Bank. Investment products, brokerage, and investment advisory services are offered through Key Investment Services, LLC, or KISS, a member of FINRA, SIPC, and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. Insurance products are offered through Key Corp Insurance Agency, USA Incorporated, or KIA. KISS and KIA are affiliated with KeyBank. Investments and insurance products are not FDIC insured, not being guaranteed, may lose value, not a deposit, not insured by any federal or state government agency. KeyBank and its affiliates do not provide tax or legal advice. Individuals should consult their personal tax advisor before making any tax-related investment decisions. This content is copyrighted by KeyCorp 2023.